okay, TikTok at two in the morning is not a good idea. So you'd say, I'm going to untangle that. So the tiny habit recipe for that, that I would try is something like this. After I feel like I need to get up in the middle of the night, I will lay back down for 15 seconds. And then it's like, no, just lay down for 15 seconds because that's what you're going to do. And then you can get up. And I would say 90% of the time, and I'm not exaggerating here, I lay down just to do this perfunctory 15 seconds. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that feels so good. What was I thinking? I'm just going to go to sleep. So that would be one way to untangle the TikTok in the middle of night habit is you just get yourself to do something and you're tricking yourself, right? Because I fully think I'm going to get up, but I'm just laying down because that's what I do. It's my habit. And then it's just so surprising how often it's like, oh, this feels so good. I'm just going to go back to sleep. I'm Doug Bopes, personal trainer, best-selling author, and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst. And listen, your habits can either make or break you. And we often wonder how we end up in destructive patterns or at a stalemate in life. We all make a conscious effort to create new habits that are healthier and better for us. We often see this at the beginning of the year with New Year's resolutions, but starting a habit is easy. Sticking with it is where the challenge arises. Today's guest is the ultimate guru in habit formation. At the end of this episode, you will know how to create healthy habits that last and break those that don't serve you. My guest today is BJ Fogg, a behavior scientist at Stanford University. BJ is also the founder of the Behavior Design Lab at Stanford University. In addition to his research, Fogg teaches industry innovators how human behavior really works and is the author of the New York Times bestselling book, Tiny Habits, The Small Changes That Change Everything. In this episode, you're going to learn how important taking small steps are when it comes to habit formation. We also discuss the difference between a habit and a behavior, the exact steps needed to create behaviors and habits that last, and how to make behavior change easy. BJ also shares the importance of celebrating small wins and habits we can create to sleep better and reduce screen time and so much more. So let's get this conversation going and welcome BJ Fogg to the Adversity Advantage podcast. BJ, welcome to the Adversity Advantage. I am so happy to be here, Doug. Thank you for inviting me. I know. I was like, we better hit this record button because we were chatting away Mm. for a good 15, 20 minutes before we recorded. And I'm incredibly impressed by not only what you've accomplished as a person, but in your work as well. You're changing so many lives. And what I wanted to kind of start off with is what inspired you to become a behavior scientist, right? Because I know Hmm. your background, you go to BYU. Good morning, boy. Went to BYU. Yeah, you go the more humanitarian route. You study (laughs) English and rhetoric, and then you end up at Stanford and getting your PhD in communications. And then you make this transition to now you're like the OG of habits, behavior design, and doing a lot of amazing things to help people become better humans by the way they act. So what inspires you to become the behavior scientist? You know, I mean, I think it happened long before I went to Stanford, just growing up in California, Fresno, California, in a very devout Mormon family, raised with just the philosophy and perspective on the world that you are here on this planet to serve other people. Mm. And for my mom, it was through music. She was a member of the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. She would put together musicals, engage people through religious music, through my dad, eye surgeon, doing a bunch of really wonderful work and humanitarian work. And it was just what, whatever your gifts are and your opportunities are, you are going to use them to serve others. And that's just how I was raised. And so I was, and then also the Mormon culture. I mean, Steve Covey comes out of that tradition and the Marriott's and the Romneys and so on. But you look at Steve Covey and he's really about optimizing your behavior. And I grew up very much in that culture and that way of thinking. And so habits and behavior change was very familiar territory to me and helping others was familiar And 
I thought at one point when I was a pre-med English major that I was going to do it through writing, through being a writer. And it turns out I was a terrible writer at the beginning. <laughs> so I had to really learn how to write. And then things shifted. And when I became a social scientist you know, doing true experiments at Stanford, went from the humanities to a whole different way of thinking about investigation and knowledge and so on. But I knew day one at Stanford, I wanted to understand how technology could help people be happier and healthier, how technology influence our attitudes and behaviors for good. And I knew that because I'd been studying rhetoric and I was really interested. And yes, I was a Mormon missionary in Peru and I was down in very, very poor parts of Peru helping people. And I loved it. I loved it. And so it just fit that things lined up. And so now with Tiny Habits and the work I do today, it is about how do I help the most people be happier and healthier? Mm. I, I, really, I really love it. And for a few reasons, number one, because you're just creating massive change for people because habits, in my opinion, can either make or break us, right? I, I, we were talking before we recorded about how my habits broke me before I was in jail and they break so many people and then they stack, they add up these tiny bad habits can add up. So what started as a tiny bad habit for me was one hit off of a marijuana pipe turned into two, turned into four, turned into every day, turned into, you know, selling it to support my habit, turned into cocaine, so on and so forth, all the way to the point where I had this horrific opiate addiction, where I was putting three, 400 milligrams of Oxycontin on my nose every single day. And you look back, it's like, where did it start? one small bad decision that I quote unquote celebrated. I know you talk about that in a way that it made me feel good. And then I wanted to keep doing what made me feel good. And then that's where it led me to my Oxycontin addiction. And then fast forward to when I was incarcerated and you can swing the pendulum the other way. If you start with a tiny habit, which for me was holding myself up to do a push up, you feel good. You do another tiny habit on top of that, which is the one push-up or two push-ups and you build and then you get to the point where now today where I can do many more push-ups and I'm a personal trainer, where did it all start? Started with one tiny habit in jail. So before we get into building habits and building behavior, I want to kind of lay some context for the audience. What's the difference between a habit and a behavior? Are they interchangeable? Are they the same thing? Because you hear bad behavior, bad habit. Like, so what's the difference if there is one? Great question. What is a behavior? What's a habit? Behavior is the broad category. So if you draw a big circle, it's like that's human behavior. Within that, you could draw a smaller circle and say, this is habit. Habit is a type of behavior that you do quite automatically. You do without thinking, without deliberating, without choosing very much. So a habit is a type of behavior. Hmm. So habit's a type of behavior, and then a behavior is a broader category. So if we talk about building habits, I think one of the things that people need to understand is they've been doing it all wrong, I think, to start. <laughs> well, let, let, let's start on the positive note. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> which, so, which is all habits, and to your earlier points, all habits form in the same way. They start small. And good and bad habits start in the same way. They start small. They find a place where they fit naturally in your life or your daily routine. Somehow they fit in your life and they get nurtured. And that nurturing could be the sense of relief from doing something. It could be the feeling of success from doing something. And it really comes down to that. Start small, finds a place, and they get nurtured. And I think of the nurturing now, if we want to talk about it as a seed, a little seed is the beginning of the habit. Where does this seed get planted? Where are we going to put it? And then when it gets nurtured, the roots grow. And I think of the roots as how automatic or how strong that habit is. So in its emotions, and I think we'll get here, we'll talk about emotions, but it's emotions that make those roots grow. It's emotions that make the habit become solidified in our brains and in our lives. So true, because you think about there's so many people out there saying to celebrate your wins, celebrate your small wins. And I think it's because when you complete something and you feel good, you're going to want that same emotion again. So you're going to do that same behavior. Right. Yeah. And I think yeah. the one thing that I love that you talked about in your book, I mean, there were so many things, but this one thing that emotion drives habit, right? Emotion yeah. will drive your habits, not just motivation. 
a lot of people will think, oh, if I just read a quote or if I read this book or if I just get motivated, I'm going to do it. And motivation gets you started, right? But what keeps you going consistently is the other two components, which we're going to get into, which is the ability. How easy is it for you to do? How efficient is it? Mm-hmm. and the prompt, like what's reminding you to do those things so that you can start to build these habits in your brain to keep going. So let's get into it. Let's talk yeah, about- well, And let me call out some words here because behavior is not as complicated as people think. And, and you've hit the key points and I just want to call it out. Yeah. So you have habit, which is a type of behavior. You have motivation to do it, the ability to do it, and a prompt- and there's only one more element in habit formation, and that's emotion. So you're really only thinking about what's the habit, motivation for it, ability, prompt, and then what role does emotion play? Those are all the components. It does not get more complicated than that. Those are the things. And I just want to call that out for everybody. Yeah, because I think that the main theme of your book is, is just simplicity, keeping it simple. Right. I think about like goal setting, like keep it simple, stupid was like the old, the old, it was the old acronym people would use when setting goals, like just keep it simple. And I'm looking at your book and it's like, keep it simple and then keep it specific. Because what I think most people stop at step one of your behavior design, they get the aspiration. I want to lose weight. So we're going to, we'll just work on this for, for instance, because it's very common this time of year is I want to lose weight. And they're like, they go to the, they might go to the gym for a week. They might go on some sort of meal plan. They might hire a coach but they don't have anything else laid out. So let's talk about the way you construct habits and why it's, it goes so much more into, I mean, not just, it's not hard, but why you need to take a, like a few more steps in order to kind of get it ingrained in the brain for it to last. Yeah. So the starting point for all of us is aspiration or outcome, one or the other. And most people will call those goals. And that's fine. People can use the word goals, but I don't use the word goals. I either call it an aspiration, like, oh, I want to lose weight or I want to sleep better or an outcome. I want to master the Hawaiian language and speak it, or I want to finish 10 books this year. That's an outcome. Both of those are good starting points, but to make it a reality, you got to break it down into specific behaviors and often specific habits. So if you don't do that, and this is your point, then it's this sort of wishful thinking. You're not operationalizing it. You're not getting down to the details of how do we, what, are the, what do I need to do on a regular basis to reach this aspiration or this outcome? And going from the aspiration to the specific behavior or habit, there's a process for doing it. And that's something I talk about in my book, but I'll just give a few examples. And sometimes people can just use their intuition and be fine, but it's better to be systematic. And as you saw, Doug, in my book, It's all, it's a system. Everything's a system that you do. So you're not guessing, but I'll just give some examples. If somebody says, oh, I want to sleep better. Well, you could just say, great. As soon as the sun goes down, I'm going to put on these amber glasses that block blue light. Okay. So that's one of a few dozen things you could do to sleep better. If somebody says, oh, I want to lose weight, then it's like, great. You can every morning drink this big glass of water. That's one of dozens of things that you could do that might help you lose weight. But if you just stay in that abstraction of I want to sleep better and lose weight, those kinds of things do not result in making progress because it doesn't tell you what to actually do. Right. Because I think, I mean, there's an old quote, I guess. It's like a a goal without action is just a wish. I forget what the exact, it's something like that. Like you just said, because it's like, all right, I can say I want to lose weight. Then it's like, well, how much weight do you want to lose? How are you going to do it? Like, is it going to be efficient for you to do consistently? I mean, as a trainer, one of the biggest questions I get asked is what's the best workout routine? I'm like the one that you're going to stick to, right? Am I right? Do people just hate that answer? I mean, you're right, but don't they go? Yeah, because I think we live in a society where people want answers right, right away and they want these quick fixes. But what ends up happening is these quick fixes cause long-term problems because we keep repeating this cycle and we end up not being able to maintain a sense of, of longevity health-wise that we keep chasing our own tail, if you will, I think. But, but there's good news in all of this. And yes. here's what it is. And I'll stick with the sleep better and lose weight examples yeah. unless you want to shift them. No. In order to sleep better, bam, there's dozens of things you could be doing. And there's no one thing you must do. 
All right. So you start where you want to start. And that's a big part of the tiny habits method of, of the four dozen things you could be doing to sleep better. Bam, grab one, two or three, make habits out of them. And if you don't want to take a hot bath in the evening, bam, you don't have to do that. But if that's what you want to do, you can. To lose weight, sure, you could stop drinking soda. But if you don't want to do that right now, there's dozens of other things you could start with. And so one of the big things I've discovered both in my own life and then when I started coaching people, and to this point, I've coached over 40,000 people personally. I stopped counting at 40,000. And these are personal interactions through email. One of the key things is start where you want to start. And if you don't want to take hot baths in the evening to sleep better, don't start there. Pick something that you want to do. And the same thing with weight loss or fitness or resilience and so on. So it really is less prescriptive than most people think. There's no one like... You don't have to meditate if you don't want to meditate. There's other ways to reduce stress, like gardening or surfing or playing with your dog. So you pick new habits that you want, not the ones you feel like you should be doing. And, and I think I, that's good news. I think that's it's, really it's good great news. news. And I think the one one of the biggest takeaways from your book is to not only to keep it simple, but to make sure it fits in your life. Right. Mm -hmm. you, you talk about having the, the anchor, having those prompts where you can build off of what you're already doing. You talked about yourself that after you floss, you're going to do your two push-ups, or after you pee, you're going to call your mom. I think it was, it was one of those two, maybe both <laughs> if I'm right, but it was, but you had these things that you knew where you were already going to do. You knew that yeah. you were yeah. going to brush your teeth. So then you would floss one, two, right you after. knew you were going to go yeah. to the bathroom. Right. And, and then, then we do push-ups. I would do push-ups after I pee. Yeah. Right. Yes. So you build these, these habits towards whatever goal or not goal. I'm sorry. I need to, like you can use goal. goals. Fine. Okay. Goals fine. I'm just so used to it as a trainer. Yeah. It's totally so fine. whatever you're trying to achieve, you build off of what you're already doing. Yeah. So, so what, so, so, okay. So let's, if you think about this, the sleep better analogy, so would something like after I brush my teeth, I'm going to turn my cell phone off. Would that be yeah. something that would help yeah. people? Yeah, I, I think in my book, I have 20 different sample tiny habit recipes for better sleep. But it's things like, I mean, they're simple things. It's like closing the blinds. At what point at night? So I'm a believer that you should be sleeping in a substantially darkened room. Well, when are you actually going to close the blinds or the shutters? If somebody's taking melatonin, I don't, but I guess it helps some people. At what point in the evening do you take melatonin? If you're going to reduce noise, like one of the habits we had to do because my dog would walk around the house with her little like toenails, go click, click, yeah. click, click. So it's like, okay, Millie, we got to put you in your crate. So at what point do you do that? So you find these things and they're not huge things, but you have to say, where does this fit naturally in my life? And in tiny habits and this, I give a whole Ted talk on this. The discovery was what does it come after? And so for about the first two years of teaching tiny habits, and I started teaching in 2011, I was really obsessed with after. Hey, everybody, after is the key. <laughs> this new habit, what does it come after in your life? Something you already do. And I don't talk about it much this way, but it's almost like writing computer code where you're sequencing this, then this, then this, then this. You're writing the code for how you want your evening to go or how you want your nutrition to go. So what does this snack come after? When do I drink the water, et cetera? So you're designing it into your life. You're not using willpower discipline to force it in. I love that. And I love the whole after approach instead of like the, t the traditional way. And again, if it's worked for people and it, it does, I mean, the, I'm not going to shame or judge anybody for it. I think I will say that it, it's obviously important to have to have long-term goals, I think, or long-term things that you yeah, want to achieve. Huge aspirations, right. sure, big ones. But to get Great. there, there's not, there's not one person that's ever achieved those things that didn't start with something small and build off yep. that. I mean, and it's, it's just, probably going to be multiple things. Right. You know? It's multiple things. So like weight loss, you and I have both been there. It's not one magical thing that changed the game. No. It's, I would say I created 40 habits, maybe more, and they were not huge ones. They were just these little, mostly tweaks in what I would eat 
and high white would not eat certain things. And so it wasn't just one thing like, oh, I'm going to drink a lot of water. Yeah, I started drinking water and this and this and this. And I also used tiny habits to stop certain things like, oh, eating bread, for example, does not serve me. Popcorn, boom. Nope. I thought popcorn was healthy. <laughs> right, right. And I found out for me, it's not. It's not. It's the opposite. So it was just, but and the good news is each one of those things, with the exception of popcorn, that was hard. Everything else was really pretty easy. But there were quite a few of them. But when it's easy to create habits, it's not intimidating or daunting. Then the question just comes down to, so once you know how to create habits, and that's what I teach in Tiny Habits, and the how is now solved, how you create them is solved, then it becomes a question of what. What habits to sleep better? What habits to reduce stress? What habits to are on your nutrition game plan? And I think you call these so-called actions to take like golden behaviors, right? Where the sweet spot, if you will. So pretty much it's like the, you draw, you have, you draw a a circle or a cloud, right. And you write whatever the aspiration in there. And then you, or the goal, everybody. Yeah. Okay. The goal, whatever you want to call it. But well then, and and then outside of it, you write down some of the behaviors or habits that, that you think will get you to that aspiration. Yeah. And then with a little you, arrow from that behavior to the aspiration. So you right. can see this will take me to this. This putting on these blue blocking, these amber glasses will take me to better sleep. Yes. Right. So yeah, which is using the sleep example since we've been going with that. So say your goal is to sleep more. Then above the cloud, some of the actions or behaviors could be the blue blocking glasses, turning off your cell phone. The, the shades could be yeah. drinking chamomile tea. And so you see where I'm going with this and you draw the arrow down towards the cloud and then you chart them on this graph, right? Based yeah. on the ability and the impact they can make. Exactly. Am I, am I correct? Then the, the yes. higher the- Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. But because we're in audio, it's going to be hard for people to <laughs> visualize this. So there's a little bit of a, there's a shortcut to this. So once you come up with a whole bunch of different potential behaviors or habits, that will help you sleep better, you're not gonna do all 20 of them at once. What you do is you pick, and Doug, you got it exactly right. They call them golden behaviors. And they have three characteristics. Number one, it's going to be effective. It's going to be effective. You don't wanna create a habit for sleeping better when it's not actually gonna be effective. So let me give an example. People might think that having silk sheets will help them sleep better. Well, let's pretend like it doesn't, right? So I'll pick one that's easy in the weight loss category. People think that walking 10,000 steps a day will substantially help them lose weight. No. Okay. Maybe you disagree with me, Doug. It's about nutrition. So I would say from my amateur expert on this, but from my opinion on that, walking is not highly effective to weight loss. Instead, focus on nutrition. I would agree with that. I agree with you. Walking is good for so many other reasons. It's just not that effective for weight loss. So you want to make sure whatever you're matching yourself is effective and helping you reach that aspiration outcome. Number two, you want it to be something you actually are motivated to do. So don't pick, if you're not motivated to take a bath in the evenings, don't pick that one, you know, because it's very hard to create habits for things that are shoulds. So focus on the wants. And the third component is you have to be able to do it. So I live in Maui right now. So it's easy for me to go surf in the mornings or to do a lot of things outdoors. Well, if you're in Ohio or Idaho, don't pick surfing as a habit because you're not able to. So it's pick things with that are effective that you want to do and that you can do. And the best combination of those That's what your golden behaviors are. So you're looking for all three things in that new habit that you are hoping to create. You put that a lot better than I did. Like more simply, I think for people who are listening to this to be able to to digest it. And, And what I'm hearing though, is once you take these, you create these golden behaviors and match it that's specific to what you want to achieve, then you start small. Right. Yeah. Yeah, You scale it back. And that's part of the ability thing. It's like you make it even easier. Yeah, you're right. So let's stick with the example of losing weight. So let's go down. Let's, let's talk about nutrition since we can both agree yeah. that nutrition is, is mostly what you need to work on. If Surprise. You want to be, right. I didn't know that. I didn't know that <laughs> 10 years ago. 
<laughs> but surprise. Right. Yes. Well, okay. So the big thing for me that I would tell people if they want to, to address their nutrition is to address how much water they drink as a baseline. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if the goal is to drink more water, most people, I mean, and I've been guilty of this telling my clients to drink half your body weight and fluid ounces every single day. But from what I've read in the book and just looking back at my own experience, if someone's not doing any of that, that's a hard thing for them mm -hmm. to maintain. Yeah. So would the tiny habit be drink one glass of water after, like after I make my coffee, I'm going to drink one glass of water. Would that be correct? Somebody could try that, but I'm going to go even tinier. Okay. Okay. And that's part of what surprises people is if you can make it so tiny that it doesn't require any motivation or really any time, then it's, it's really, you, you can be very consistent. So for drinking water, one of the habits is just simply to fill up the water glass and put it on your work desk. So you're not even drinking it. So you're saying, okay, after I set my backpack down at work, I will fill up a glass of water and put it on my work desk. Bam, that's the habit. And then there's a combination habit to that is after I drink the last sip of what's in the glass, I will fill it up again. So those two together, notice they're just tiny. You're just like filling the glass of water at certain moments, trusting in by having it on your work desk, you will be sipping it throughout the day. Got it. Got it. Got it. And that makes total sense. Cause I think part of the challenge is just having it there in your already current life. So if you set the water on the desk, it's, it's there when you're already working. So you're going to be more likely to drink the water. And yeah. then when you do, you've Right. And, and it's kind of a personal style issue. I know there are many people that have created a habit of, you know, I'll actually drink the water, but I like going as small as possible. And I advocate that because it's, Hey, if it's super tiny, you're going to be more successful doing it. But I now have the morning habit of, I get up first thing. And this is thanks to Dr. Michael Bruce, a sleep expert, where I don't turn on the coffee maker. I actually have a huge glass of water and I put citrus in, I'll squeeze lemon into it. Massive. Now I can do that first thing in the morning. Mm. However, I have found that after breakfast, that's when I fill the glass of water. I am not in the mood of drinking a whole glass of water. So the drinking a whole glass of water works well first thing in the morning, but it doesn't work well after breakfast. So that's when I fill the glass with water. And because I work at home, I put it on my work desk at home. So Tiny can mean different things to different people. And even the same person, what's tiny first thing in the morning and doable is not tiny for me right after I eat breakfast. You're right. It's so individualized, which I think people also need to, to be mindful of is that anything in life, you just have to do what works best for you in your own yeah. routine, your own lifestyle. And getting back to the workout routine, I always say like, what's the thing you're going to stick to that is convenient for what you do? Like if, if right now you don't have access to go to a gym, I'm not going to tell you to go exercise in a gym, right? Yeah, yeah. And just like if, if you are somebody that has never done a push-up before, I'm not going to tell you to start doing push-ups. We're going to start with two wall, pu I mean, two wall push-ups or, I mean, just what I've learned in your book. I'm like, wow, I can actually have clients now who have never done a push-up. I know that everybody goes to the bathroom. So maybe after when they go to the bathroom, do two push-ups off their bathroom counter. And then build yep. off of that. And also to remember when you're talking to either one of us right now, like we didn't start with our habits that we have now. They, they stacked over time and you follow this design method that you've created, which after you start tiny, the next step, or you find the prompt, you start and you, so you find the, you start tiny, find the prompt, which we've already gone over. And then you celebrate the success, which I love yeah. Yeah. because you Super feel important. good and you want more of that. So talk a bit about why it's so important to celebrate those small wins, even if they seem so tiny. Yeah, tiny. Maybe yeah. insignificant. We will get you back to this episode of the Adversity Advantage in just one second. But first, wanted to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Legion. If you're anything like me, you only take the best of the best when it comes to supplements. And you're always looking for those that are also backed by science, use natural sweeteners, and fully transparent with their ingredients. This is why I love the products at Legion, which is also the number one all-natural sports supplement company in the world. I currently am enjoying their vanilla plant protein, which goes into a post-workout smoothie after I work out, or it acts as a quick snack while on the run or between clients and interviews. 
I think we can all agree that 2021 is a year that we need to make health a priority, which is also why I consistently take their Triumph multivitamin and immune support to ensure that I am doing everything I can to feel my best. So if you want to follow my lead and take the best supplements around that have free shipping and 100% money back guarantee, go to buylegion.com forward slash Doug and use code Doug to get 20% off your first order. Again, it's buylegion.com forward slash Doug and use code Doug at checkout. Now back to the show. Yeah. So the thing that people need to understand is the idea that you, you repeat a behavior that repetition creates habits that is not true. And you've probably heard 21 days or 30 days or 66 days. 66 days has gotten popular, but if you want to go find the research, they reference, and you'll see the research does not support that at all. Look for Lolly 2009. Lolly spelled L-A-L-L-Y. Even reading the abstract, you will see there was no causal, like repetition did not cause the habit to form. It was a correlation study and correlation and causation are different things. So what causes the habit to form is the emotion that you feel when you do the behavior. And once you see it from that perspective, it changes how you view habit formation, but it also clicks like, hey, you want to get your dog to sit on demand. How did you get the dog there? Well, you gave it a treat. You caused your little dog to feel a positive emotion. I mean, just look around the way that habits come into our life is the result of in the emotion can be relief, a sense of relief. And often this is how bad habits wire in because they give us that relief as an anxiety or stress, or it can be a feeling of success. And it's that one, the feeling of success that you hack in the tiny habits method. You help yourself feel successful in the moment while you're doing the behavior. Like let's say I'm filling the water glass and it's not yet a habit. Once it becomes a habit, you don't have to, the, the, the job of emotions is done. But let's say I'm creating the habit. So as I'm filling the water glass, one thing I might do is say, good for you, BJ, you're staying on your game plan. Or another way I can cause a positive emotion is as I'm filling the water glass, I can think, oh my gosh, this is going to help you be effective at teaching and sharing and for me, that's really, really important. So I'm feeling successful in achieving my life purpose. So the association of the positive emotion with the behavior is what turns it into a habit. Our, there's brain chemistry, our brain takes notes, and it becomes more automatic. It also serves the purpose to motivate us to continue. But what I'm talking about in, mostly in terms of celebration is that's how you hack your brain and turn what is an ordinary behavior into a special type of behavior called habit that you do quite automatically. You're so spot on. And I think the one thing too that I've experienced in my life, you've experienced in your life is the, is the ability for when you do this and you start tiny to become transformative. And if you change your identity, right? Yeah. Because you start changing one area of your life or you start developing a few habits that you're, you're noticing or, wow, I'm, I'm feeling better. I'm sleeping better. I'm losing weight. My relationships are improving all from like just one habit. Like if you improve your sleep, mm -hmm. you're probably going to lose some weight because you're going to have more energy throughout the day. You're probably not going to stress eat as much because your energy is going to be spot on. You're not going to be as groggy, irritable, all these things. And you're going to be like, oh, I, I feel good. Let me yeah. do another habit. Let me do another habit. Yeah. And, and on top of that, you also start seeing that you can change, right? You're seeing evidence you can change, which gives you hope. And that's what the five-day program in Tiny Habits that I started in 2011, and it's still offered today. It is primarily designed to give people hope, like be, through evidence, they can change. You see, oh, I started flossing. I started doing push-ups, And when you have that hope, that goes against the fear that would stop you from trying new things. So hope is this transformative thing. And you can achieve that even by creating the tiniest of habits, because like, oh my gosh, if I can floss even just one tooth, and if I can do two push-ups, boom, it's the same method for creating dozens or hundreds of other habits that you want. So the fear diminishes, the hope increases. And then you start thinking of yourself. And we measure this week after week in the tiny habits program, and 
people start thinking about themselves as I'm the kind of person who can change, which goes against the, oh my gosh, I'm the kind of person who always flakes out. I'm the kind of person who can't change. But, and this is for me, one of the most delightful parts of sharing the tiny habits method when I was coaching two to 300 people a week, week after week, after week and year after year was people like, oh my gosh, I now see I can change. And that opens people up. Yes, to create the habit and a ton of habits using the tiny habits method, but it also opens the door to doing big things that they previously wouldn't have done because they were inhibited from the fear of trying it. But now with more confidence and more skills, which is an ability thing, confidence is a motivation thing, skill is an ability thing, then they can level up and tackle harder things. And that I just love seeing that, how that works. And for some people, 18% of people within five days report making a big change when doing tiny habits. That's almost one fifth of the people within five days. And that's my favorite measure to look at every week. It's like, oh my gosh, how many people had this breakthrough within five days? It's such a domino effect, right? It's just, you do these small, tiny habits and then it creates this confidence you may never have had in yourself. Because I don't think your, your brain recognizes confidence by the feet, quote unquote, you do. I think it's just the ability of doing something you never thought you could. And I think what happens to people, especially let's use fitness as an example, they stop because they've lacked the belief in themselves that they have the ability to keep going and maintain what they're doing. So they're just like, you know what? And and that's what makes me sort of sad. Don't lose your train of thought. Right. But the fact that people have tried other programs to change and they failed and they've lost the confidence and they think I'm the kind of those programs, I'll just say it, they upset me. Yeah. And those myths are not helping people. And it's not a neutral event when somebody tries to change and they can't, or they, they don't succeed. And by the way, people, it's not your fault. It is, you haven't been connected with the right way to do it yet, but it makes me more than a little bit grumpy when I see products and programs out there that are setting people up to fail because you are damaging that person and you are setting them back. And it ripples out to how they treat their kids and their spouse and their colleagues. I mean, it's, kind, it's a big ethical issue. If you are helping, making somebody believe that you can help them change and they fail on your program, there's, I think, serious implications of that. Right, because if somebody does these programs that require them to pretty much overhaul their entire lifestyle in some cases within a matter of days, and they continue to get in this, this cycle of, of failing, not because they're a bad person, but because it's just not realistic for where they are, even though they're told or they think it is, and they keep doing that. So then every time they're entering into a new program with that mindset of the last time I did this, I failed. Last time yeah. I did this, I failed. Yeah. And yes, failure can be good because it teaches you things, teaches you wisdom, gives you courage, and you keep going. But if you don't ever find that right thing, it becomes much more challenging to develop that courage and confidence which is why I love your approach to this, that just take small steps. Because when you take small steps in the right direction of where you want to go, you're going to feel better. You're like, wow, I actually exercised today. In my mind, I told myself I would exercise. I did my two push-ups. I put my shoes by the door. I walked for five minutes, whatever that, that yep. starts small yep. was. And listen, if you're already, if you're listening to this and you're going to the gym for an hour consistently, great. Like, we're, Awesome. That's yeah, amazing. Awesome. The people that I'm trying to reach, we're in, an, we're in an obesity epidemic right now. We're in a mental health epidemic right now. And I think the catalyst for change, one of the catalysts is exercise and getting your body moving. <laughs> and if you've been beating your body up for 15, 20 years, and you haven't been eating healthy at all or moving your body, trying to do it all in 24 hours, you're setting yourself up to fail. So with that being said, I know one of the things that is also a foundation of your approach and in your book is hacking the behaviors to make them easier, troubleshooting them, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. So that if say somebody sets a habit or a goal that that it becomes a little bit more challenging to realize like, ah, this is too hard. So what are some ways uh, that people can make behaviors easy? And if you could provide an example, that'd be awesome. Yeah. 
let's shift gears to gratitude. So yeah. it was about, well, for a long time, I've, of course, I want to express gratitude. And I thought, yeah, let me write thank you notes, like old fashioned thank you notes and shift them. Okay. So this was about a month ago. I didn't do a very good job in Thanksgiving. So maybe that's why I was like, ah, I'm going to do better <laughs> job on this. So it's like, okay, I'm going to write thank you notes and I'm going to write one a day at least, which is kind of ambitious because it takes, that's more than tiny, but to make it easy. And I was helped by a friend named Dorothy, who's 93, who lives here in Maui. And she gave me this beautiful box and she called it a gratitude box. And so I got all these thank you notes and pens and paper and put it inside this beautiful box she made for me. So then I had all the gear right there. Mm. And the box is not in a closet. It's sitting right next to our kitchen table. So it's right there, easy to do. I have the right pens and everything. Well, so then it's, so once you make it super easy, and in this case, I wouldn't even have writing the thank you note as the habit. It's just writing down the name of somebody I could thank. And then if I want to go further, I can, but I don't have to. All right. So make it so easy. The box is there and the behavior, the habit is just thinking of somebody that I would love to write a thank you note for. Then the next step, after you make it super tiny, do you want me to go to the next step? Yeah. Okay. That's, then it's like, where does, where does this fit in your life? And I thought, oh, this would fit really well after my partner starts making dinner. That's when I'll open the box and write down somebody's name. It didn't work there. You think it would, but it didn't. It's like, okay, it didn't fit there. And then I thought, well, maybe I'll just do it once a week. And maybe I'll just do it on Sundays after I call my parents, then I'll open the box. It didn't really work there either. And now what seems to be working is, and I wouldn't have expected this, but this is a good example because you won't always know where a habit fits naturally in your life. Just try something. And if it works, keep going. If it doesn't, try something else. But what's working for me now you remember that glass of water I told you yeah. about early in the morning? It's still dark and it's really early in the morning. Is after I set down the glass, then I go and I turn on this little red light that I have because I'm a believer. I don't want blue light in my eyes in the morning. And I get out my box and I open it. So it's really early in the morning. I would have never expected that, but it's feeling good in that spot. So I don't have any demands on me. I don't have any clutter from the day. I'm really fresh and I open the box. And I get out this notepad and that's the habit. And it seems like that's where it's going to stick and that's where it's going to fit. And I've really liked that. Like the other day, I ended up writing five thank you notes. So in the tiny habits method, the habit is super tiny, like writing down a name. But if you want to do more, like actually write the note, you can. And if you want to write five notes, knock yourself out, but don't raise the bar. Don't think every day I have to do five notes. The next morning is just open the box, write down a name. Bam, good for me. I wrote it down. My celebration is thinking. It's hard to describe, but it's thinking like, and I'm touching my chest and my heart. It's like, I am taking this thing I feel here and I'm sharing it with somebody who matters to me, this gratitude. And that helps me wire it in. It's like, this is my purpose in doing this. And so there it is, early in the morning before 5 a.m., I'm writing down somebody's name and writing thank you notes and putting them, and then I don't have to put them in envelopes. I don't have to address the envelopes. I don't have to put the stamps on them if I don't want to. I can just do that. But I, if I don't put on the address or the stamps, and sometimes I won't, because that's like, eh, I got to open my contacts. I got to find the address. I put on the kitchen table. And then later in the day, it's sitting there and I'm like, oh, let me put on the stamp. Let me put on the return address. Let me go get their address. So that's how you can take something abstract. Like I want to share appreciation and I want to do it through a written note and then breaking it down and designing it into your life. Yeah. And I, it's, it's awesome that you brought that up. Cause I was going to ask you about like a real time thing that you're struggling or struggled with lately that you've implemented your method to troubleshoot it, if you will. And, and I love how you put that you don't have to increase your habit every day. Like if you do more, great. Like theoretically, I guess over time, if you're consistent enough, you're probably going to end up doing a little bit more just indirectly because you're going to feel better if you celebrate and you're like, wow, I feel great that I wrote this thank you note. Let me write another one. I feel great that I wrote two. Let me yeah. write another one. But it's like, don't hold yourself to that high standard, right? Yeah, but just don't know that- Raise the bar, which is so opposite- what yeah. we've been trained in. Okay. Like you can't, can get better and better and better. If you keep 
raising expectations. Oh, five thank you notes. Now it's going to be six thank you notes. It's going to crash and burn at some point. So it's counterintuitive, but it's really important to the method is you set the bar low and you keep it low. When you do more than the minimum, you count it as extra credit. And that's really important because then you say, oh, I'm the kind of person who goes above and beyond. I'm the kind of person who does more than is required. So that's part of the identity shift as well in the method. Right. I think um, it's just giving, go ahead. Another habit that I'm, I'm wiring in, I decided, so yeah, I surf every day. And surfing can be hard if the waves are big, but sometimes they're not very big. So I feel like mm, that wasn't, that was a beautiful experience, but it wasn't much of a workout. So I, I hacked up these TRX bands. They're not official ones. They're ones I hacked together from various things. And I attached it to the front door. And so I was like, oh, I can do this little TRX stuff and stretches and then to make it easier. So it's easy because now it's like on the front door. And then I wrote down like eight different things, 10 different things I could do, like these little push-ups, these pulls, these overheads, these stretches. And I put them and I just made a list there. So now at any moment I can walk over and say, well, what do I want to do right now? Which kind of exercise? And then what I'm exploring is where does that fit in my day? And I think what I'm finding is I'll probably do two to three sessions a day, just small ones. So I'm toying. So I got it set up. I made it easy. I made it clear what exercises I could do. So that's all making it easier to do. And now like this morning after the thank you notes and after I played my flute, I have this little flute thing I do like meditation. Then I walked over and it's still dark and I just start stretching using these bands and it felt so good, Doug. And I was like, oh, this is going to work for me because this is such a great part of my morning wake up and welcoming the new day. So again, it's get set up, make it easy, and then design it into your life. And if it works, keep going. And if it doesn't, try something else. Right. And I think you've nailed the, the whole motivation, ability, and prompt system within that habit, right? It's motivating you because you're stretching and doing it. Whatever you're doing feels good for your body. It's going to benefit yeah. you. The ability is it's right there. And the prompt is it's like by the door. So whether you, you're walking out the door doing whatever you got to do, it's, it's reminding you that, am I, am I correct? Yes. And what's coming? Here's what's coming. So I've long had the habit that as soon as I answer my phone, that I walk around. If I'm sitting, I'm up and moving. Now I'm using this platform called Clubhouse, yeah. which is all audio. And so now here's what's coming. It's like, after I go into a, the tiny habit rest me, I think is going to be this. After I go into a clubhouse room, I'll walk over to my front door and start doing <laughs> these exercises. Because it's pretty easy to listen and also like do either the strength or the stretching exercises with those bands. So I think that is where it's going to fit. So in, in that case, so yes, I'll have the morning habit of mostly stretching. I did a little bit of press and a little bit pull, but not too hard. But so I'll have that. And then it'll also be associated anytime I get in a clubhouse room, boom, I am also, I guess, improving my body besides just my mind. And we'll see how that goes. It, it feels like that could work really well. So I, that is something I'm currently putting together because the bands are new out there and then I'm pretty new to Clubhouse that I think they're going to work together. Yeah, I think, I think it's a good approach. And for people who are listening to this that are utilizing Clubhouse or another social media app, that could be a good place to start with, with stretching. Like after I make my Instagram post, I'm going to do two push-ups on the counter in my kitchen or after I make my post, I'm going to brush my teeth, whatever the, the habit I guess is. And I think the important thing for people to remember based on what I'm gathering from what you've written about and your work is for people to give themselves some grace and yeah. just know that there's, it's not going to be e easy at times. It's going to be challenging. There's going to be moments where you're having to troubleshoot different habits. There's going to be moments where you might not be as motivated to do certain things and just know it's okay. And then I'd be so intimidated because I think what happens is people, they look at these big goals, if you will, as this mountain and they see other people that have gotten further up the mountain than them. And they're like, how do I get there? And they think about just getting there, but it's like, you just have to take one step, yeah. put your left foot forward, then yeah. put your right foot forward. Yeah. And think of it like this baby steps, but baby steps done quickly. Okay. Cause you'll get there. 
Yeah. If you do these baby steps and some people just think, oh, baby steps, I'll never get there. Well, it's not just one baby step every month or two. If it's tiny enough, you can create multiple habits at once. You can create more week after week. So I think of it as baby steps done quickly. I love that. And speaking of, of baby steps, uh, the last thing I kind of want to go into with you is untangling a habit that's not serving us. Yeah. And I think, I know one of the things you're working on at your lab is reducing screen time for people. Yeah. Yep. And I think you'll probably be able to be, make it more simple than I can. So that's why I'm talking to you. But I know for people that want to reduce their screen time, they're like, oh, I'll just put my phone uh, on my nightstand and not in my bed. Or it's a good start to get right? started. Okay. Yeah. So is that, that's, that's a good one. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I'm all on board with that. Okay. Well, I'm trying to, th- I'm trying to think of something that maybe it would still have your ability to do it high. Cause I know you talked a yeah. little bit about, I think you, somebody moved their phone like outside of the room because it made the ability just harder really, to do. Harder yeah, to that do. Was Katie in the book. Yeah. Her story and all the stories are true. Yes. I'm a huge advocate. I'm get a real alarm. If you need an alarm clock, get a real one and just move your phone out of the bedroom. There's just many, many reasons that matters. And we probably don't have to go deep into that, but if it's screen time and getting rid of unwanted habits, the method in the book has you list, like when are all the times that you're on? I mean, some screen time is productive and good screen time. Like I had to drive somewhere today and I used a map, a map software. And that was, awesome screen time, right? I mean, so it's not necessarily the phone or the screen that's bad, but this is unproductive. Let's take, can I name names? TikTok. Let's say somebody's really into TikTok. Why did TikTok wire in? Because it increases your positive emotion or it helps you feel less bored. You get relief. So there's a reason TikTok will wire in as habit and they get better and better at knowing what you want. Okay. So there it is. It's set up against you. So maybe you say, okay, what are all the times during a typical day that I launched TikTok and there might be 10 or 12 times a list, all of those. And one of those might be in the middle of the night. And then look at that list and say, which one of these is the easiest one to untangle. So think of those 12 as a big knot with 12 tangles in it. And you might think of it, this is my TikTok habit. And don't go for the hardest one, go for the easiest one and untangle that. So for example, let's say I'm sitting on the lanai with my partner and then I tend to pull out TikTok and do TikTok at that moment. One of the tiny habits I could do is after I sit down on the lanai, I will take my phone and slide it in in between. You can tell I've done this, right? This is like too (laughs) weird to be just a random example. I'll take it and slide it between the cushion and the armrest of the chair and get it out of sight. And that makes it much harder. I'm not launching TikTok. I'm either looking at nature, engaging with my partner. So you find the easiest snarl in this big tangle and you untangle that one. Then you go to the next one, you go to the next one. Let me give another example related to that. And this builds on something that I've done and it relates to sleep. There are times like two in the morning, I'm restless and I just feel I need to restart my brain or refresh my brain. And so I would used to just, I would get up and I would read news, or let's say in this case, I would go to TikTok. Okay, TikTok at two in the morning is not a good idea. So it's like, I'm gonna untangle that. So the tiny habit recipe for that, that I would try is something like this. After I feel like I need to get up in the middle of the night, I will lay back down for 15 seconds. And I use this all the time, not to get up and do TikTok, but just to, sometimes I go outside and look at the stars or whatever. But even though I feel like I really need, if I got to get up and pee, I do that, of course. But if it's like, I'm just going to get up. Then you do your pushups though, right after you pee. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> but the, the, the thing is, I fully believe 100%. I'm going to get up and I'm going to, who knows what, just refresh my brain because maybe my dreams are really weird or something. And then it's like, no, just lay down for 15 seconds because that's what you're going to do. And then you can get up. And I would say 90% of the time, and I'm not exaggerating here, I lay down just to do this perfunctory 15 seconds. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that feels so good. What was I thinking? I'm just going to go to sleep. So that would be one way to untangle the TikTok in the middle of night habit is you just get yourself to do something and you're tricking yourself, right? Because I fully think I'm going to get up, but I'm just laying down because that's what I do. It's my habit. And then it's just so surprising how often it's like, oh. 
this feels so good. I'm just going to go back to sleep. So you look at each tingle one by one. And then pretty in some cases, and Junie, one of my dear friends who's in my book, what she found with her sugar addiction as she untangled it, as she made progress, then all the other snarls that were deeper in that knot, they just untangled themselves because she then said, thought of herself, I'm the kind of person who doesn't eat sugar. So she didn't have to go snarl by snarl by snarl. She had to build momentum, feel successful in untangling her sugar addiction. And she called it an addiction. And then see how that shifts your identity. Then eating sugar was no longer consistent with her identity. And so it's sort of like the rest of the tangles fell away and she was free and clear. Yeah, you're so right. Because I, I believe we make a lot of our decisions and choices based on how we feel about ourselves on the inside. And yeah. like you alluded to a moment ago, if you had a sugar addiction and say you weren't feeling good about yourself in that moment and you were using sugar, I guess, to, to make you feel better and impulsively, then once you started to untangle that and you started to feel better because A, you weren't having that excess sugar and you and B, you were developing confidence and belief that you weren't having to turn to sugar as an like instant, something to, to soothe you in that moment you're going to be like, I want more of this. And I don't know about anybody who's listening to this or UBJ, but I mean, if you're ever trying to untangle something, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna try to untangle it all at once. Then what happens? It doesn't work. And you're like, all right, fine. Then you end up having to like set it down, pick it back up and like, all right, let me do this the right way and untangle it one by one and do it the right way. And I think it's the exact same thing with habits, right? And that's why I like the word untangle rather than break. Okay. Break implies that, boom, you can do it all in one moment if you just try hard enough. Nope, that's not how it works for these kinds of things. Untangle implies it's a process and it's a process you're familiar with. We untangle our phone cords all the time or extension cords or Christmas lights. And at the beginning you look at it and you're like, this is such a mess. I don't know how, and, and it's not just yanking on it. It's not just magical, but from experience that if you just start with the easiest thing and go to the next, you will get there. And what I'm hoping by bringing that word forward untangling bad habits that will help change how people think about it. And it will give them, yes, a process, but also the encouragement that, man, you can untangle this, but it won't happen instantly. Just like your tangled headset, phone cord, just start with the easiest one and go to the next one. And pretty soon you'll see your way free and clear and you will be done. Right. And I think what I really was fascinated by with your book was in the process of untangling these bad habits, you start to develop and implement new healthy habits too. Yeah. So it becomes like this snowball effect where what happens when you create a little bit of momentum, you create more momentum in your life and yeah. you start stacking these tiny habits that, that are positive and decreasing the tiny habits that were negative and your life starts to feel better. You start to feel more encouraged, more positive, more confident. And you notice that I said, reduce screen time, not eliminate. Because when you say you're going to eliminate screen time, it's just not possible. It's not realistic. We, we live in a world yeah. where technology is here to stay. It's not going anywhere. We need to use phones. We need to be in front of a computer or tablets, but let's just start small and say, okay, mm -hmm. like I know that because I'm staring at my screen all night that my sleep is affected. I'm more groggy in the morning. I'm not feeling good about myself. So what is one small change that I can make that is very accessible to where I am now? And like, like you said, like when you get up in the middle of the night and your first reaction that you wanted to do or whatever is to go grab your phone, take that 15 second pause. Yeah. Well, and, and then, you know what it is right now? I'll confess, Doug, it's get on Clubhouse. And so because I know that, I mean, Clubhouse allows me to learn and to teach. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Other than like surfing and playing music and maybe a few other things I won't mention, my favorite <laughs> things are learning and teaching. <laughs> and so Clubhouse gives me that at a moment's notice. So what I realized early, early with Clubhouse, probably in the first week is you're going to make a policy, BJ. You will not do Clubhouse at night. So after we go to bed about eight. So after you go to bed until you fully waken up, you are not getting on Clubhouse. So sometimes you have to redesign your environment or close off choices so you don't go down this slippery slope. Because man, if I was doing Clubhouse in the middle of the night, I'd be up for hours, I'd be having a blast, I'd be feeling so successful and that habit would wire in and it would end up being a bad habit. Earlier, my partner and I recognized if we had ice cream in the fridge or in the freezer, even though we think we're gonna eat a tiny bowl, 
bam, we're going to eat the whole thing. Yeah. Our bread in the house. So that's similar to the clubhouse rule for me. It's like no bread in the house, no ice cream in the house. Now, it doesn't mean I can't be at a party or a friend's house and have a biscuit or have some ice cream, but I just know that we have to have that policy because I am so weak when it comes to ice cream and I am so weak when it comes to clubhouse, I just need to have that policy. And that's, that's worked for me. And so you've got to find what works for you. And, and it's not quite the tiny habits method of these policies. It's the complementary part where you redesign your environment. So the way you create lasting change is you make, use the tiny habits method to wire in these habits quickly and easily, and then redesign your environment to make the good behaviors easy to do and the bad behaviors hard to do. And those are the two things that work hand in hand. And having policies is a way of redesigning your environment. No ice cream in the house. And then the temptation's gone. And for me, saying no clubhouse in the middle of the night, temptation's gone. I get a little momentary urge. Like, nope, you have a policy and you're going to stick to your policy. Yeah. yeah, I think I think setting boundaries is positive in every area of your life that so that you can you just have these lines you draw in the sand of like, all right, this is where I'm not going to negotiate. So you talk about ice cream and bread. For me, it's like almond butter, peanut butter. I know that I always <sighs> tell myself, I'll get a, a jar <laughs> of peanut butter and I'll just do one one tablespoon at a time. And then one becomes two and then I've eaten like the whole jar and I get up the next day and I'm bloated. I'm like, oh, I feel awful. And I've got this like just pile of peanut butter in my digestive system. And I'm like, dang, I feel, now, and these policies, I was a little bit afraid to go to my partner and say, Denny, we can't have ice cream in the house. Let's you know, never bring it in. But it wasn't like an argument at all. He was like, fine. And then it was like, no bread, fine. And so things like nutrition and media use and how you sleep are really household issues. Right. And see if you can change with your household, not in the face of everybody else is staying up late and watching movies while you're trying to go to bed at eight. So that's a concept I call change together. There's stuff in my book about how to do that well. But the surprise to me years ago was I was a little afraid to suggest it because I knew my partner loved ice cream, but he was on board with me like that. And then that made it so much easier. Like we're on the same page here. And then we're on the same page when it goes to restaurants. We never let chips or bread hit the table. Bam. Because if chips or bread hits, they, I'm eating them. Okay. And so it's just like the tiny habit approaches. After I see the server approaching us with chips or bread, I will say, no bread, please, or no chips, please. And then I'm not tempted by it the rest of the evening. So it's just what? No bread, please. That's three words. <laughs> and you just say it at the right moment. Now it's a little awkward when we're dining with friends who do want bread. That's, but we haven't, that's a different discussion, but that's why you surf and have your TRX. <laughs> well, sometimes let's see, I actually think most of my friends appreciate that because most of them are low carb, healthy eating. And yeah. for one person say, Hey, are, are you okay if we don't have chips? because I'm going to eat them all if we have them and I'm just too weak. You know, I make a joke out of it. I'm just so weak, I'll eat them. So and they're like, fine. So anyway. Well, I, and I love how you, you say that. And I, and I really appreciate how I think, I think it was maybe the last chapter, second to last chapter in your book was about changing together. And yeah. because it's so important to include everyone because what, what could happen is say you end up trying to, to make this boundary and change something then it creates tension then if your goal is by to change your habits to become happier, more fulfilled, if there's tension in your household, it's not helping anything. So, but anyway, this has been awesome. I've learned so much just in this interview outside of the book. And I think what you're doing is amazing. And people are definitely going to want to get more of what you have to offer as far as your, you have a course, you have your books, the book just came out in paperback. So where can people find out more about tiny habits. Yeah. The course is free and it has been free since 2011, the five-day course at tinyhabits.com slash join. That's how you get started there. There's some paid stuff that I do, but certainly start with the free five-day course and the tiny habits book. And then you can also find some more stuff at bjfog.com and I'm at bjfog on all social channels. And for me, Twitter is all about helping people with behavior change. Clubhouse has become that 
Instagram is a little mix of me being stupid and goofy and behavior change, but I'm all about helping people understand how behavior and habits work. And so, boom, just cross paths with me, whether it's through stuff I've already created or live courses or whatever. And the good news here is behavior change is easier than you think if you do it in the right way. And it can be fun and uplifting and tiny really does become transformative when you do it in a certain way. And I get emails every day from people um, just thanking me because they felt stuck. They felt like they were somehow flawed, that everyone else was changing and they couldn't. And now they found a way to move forward and make progress and achieve things they just had given up on. And so you can definitely get unstuck. And, and the more you do, the more you practice in the right way, the easier it gets. So it's super fun to be sharing this. Thank you. Awesome, BJ. Well, for those listening, you're definitely going to want to check out his book, his five-day challenge. I will make sure to plug all that stuff in the show notes so people can, can join and also buy the book. And for those listening, I mean, I'm sure your head right now is kind of spinning with so much information where to start. Start tiny, right? Just pick, <laughs> pick one thing. I'll give the tiniest thing. The tiniest okay. thing is to go to tinyhabits.com slash recipes and do this on your mobile phone or tablet. There's a little tool there that lets you mix and match and create tiny habit recipes. You can do it in like a minute, maybe two minutes. That's like so tiny, but it will put together a tiny version of something with an anchor. And that's what that tool is all about. So that's the tiniest way. Yes. Awesome. So what I want y'all to do is we, we love your support, love your feedback. Take a screenshot of listening to this episode, either share your biggest takeaway, maybe share a tiny habit that you're going to implement um, in your life, maybe screenshot and just say that something inspired you either from BJ's background or just something he shared on the simplicity and efficiency of using his methods and protocol, because we would love to hear what you thought of this episode. And we once again, thank you for listening to this episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bopes, and we'll see you next time.